Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your Bible reading for June 26, 2020, today looking at the book of Jude. Jude chapter 1, because there's only one chapter in the book of Jude. Here we go. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Christ Jesus, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you concerning the salvation we share, I felt it was necessary for me to write to urge you to continue to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For certain individuals slipped in secretly, about whom it was written some time ago that they are condemned. They are ungodly people who turn the grace of our God into a license for sin and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, though you already know all these things, that after the Lord rescued his people out of the land of Egypt, he later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their position of authority, but left their own dwelling place behind, God has kept them in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment on the great day. Like Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, who in a similar way indulged in extreme sexual immorality and pursued homosexual perversion, They serve as an example of those who are going to suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in the very same way, these dreamers are defiling the flesh, despising authority and blaspheming glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael was disputing with the devil and arguing about the body of Moses, he did not dare to bring a blasphemous condemnation against him. Instead, he said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people do not understand what they are blaspheming. They are being destroyed by the very things that they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. Woe to them! They have gone the way of Cain, they have abandoned themselves for hire to the error of Balaam. They perished in Korah's rebellion. These people are filthy stains on your love feasts, when they eat with you without fear, shepherding themselves. They are clouds without rain, being driven along by the winds. They are autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. There are wild waves of the sea piling up the foam of their own shame. There are wandering stars, for whom the gloom of darkness has been reserved for eternity. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, also prophesied about these people, saying, Look, the Lord is going to come with tens of thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment against all of them, and to convict every soul concerning all their ungodly deeds, which they did in an ungodly way, and concerning all the harsh words that ungodly sinners spoke against him. They are discontented grumblers, who walk according to their lusts, and their own mouths speak boastful things as they flatter others to take advantage of them. But you, dear friends... Remember the words that were spoken earlier by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly lusts. These are the people who cause divisions. They are worldly because they do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, continue to build yourselves up in your most holy faith as you keep praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you continue to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which results in eternal life. Show mercy to those who are wavering, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Show mercy to still others with fear, hating even the clothing that is stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all time, now, and to eternity. 
Amen. This is the word of our God. So the very first question before us is, who exactly is this Jude that we're talking about? We're not talking about um, any of the apostles because verse 17, I think it is, makes it kind of apparent that he that he's distinct from the group of apostles. Verse 17, he said, But you, dear friends, remember the words that were spoken earlier by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. If he had been one of the apostles, it would have been more like, remember what we talked to you or told you about that our Lord Jesus Christ had said. And so the Jude that we talk about here, um, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, it's probably the brother, or you know, more precisely, half-brother of Jesus, mentioned together along with James in Mark chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 13. Mark 6 verse 3 uh, reads like this, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. And Matthew 13, verse 55, said basically the same thing. Um, And this word, or this name Jude, or Judas, is a very common name because there was the the Jewish hero, Judas Maccabeus, um, roughly 160, 170 years before Christ. And he was was kind of a a Jewish folk hero, as well as being a a national hero, someone in whom they took a lot of national pride. Um, And so this Jude that we have, is uh, the half brother of half brother of Jesus, and he calls himself the brother of James. Now that James, um, also another half brother of, of Jesus, half brother because they both have the same mother, Mary. But Jesus did not have a human father, although James and Jude did. Um, our assumption is that it was Joseph that Mary had been married uh, that one time, and that it is possible, or one might even say probable, by that the time of Jesus's ministry that Joseph has passed away um, because we don't hear anything about him. And also at the cross that Jesus commits his mother Mary into the care and concern of John, the disciple whom he loved. Um, John, who was probably a first cousin of Jesus, John and James, the sons of, of Zebedee. Um, Zebedee seems to have been married to Salome and Salome seems to be Mary's sister. So anyway, um, that James, James the son of Zebedee, was put to death in the book of Acts. He was the, the first of the 12 apostles, or first of the 11 apostles to be martyred, um, although it takes place after the stoning of Stephen. Um, so the James that we have left is the James that Jude refers to. And that James, we, we see is, we call him just the half-brother of Jesus because he's mentioned in the Gospels, and he doesn't, he doesn't have to establish his credentials by any other way. He is fairly well known. And Jude, Jude does the same thing. He says, I'm the brother of James um, and a servant of Christ Jesus. He doesn't, you know, elevate himself, even though he could say, you know, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. But, um, but back in Matthew 12, you remember the words of Jesus, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. And the, the siblinghood that they would have with Jesus is less of a concern than the faith which they, they have in common and which they share. And so, as we kind of get into this, a uh, couple of things. The, the first thing that he really addresses, and that he addresses very forcefully, is he talks about, um, talks about freedom from sin to serve God. 
and there are these false teachers um, in verse 4. For certain individuals slipped in secretly about whom it was written some time ago that they are condemned. These false teachers have turned that, that freedom or that liberty upside down, where they, instead of being a liberty, a freedom from sin to serve God, they turned it upside down to a, a freedom from punishment in order to sin. That is exactly the question that Paul had addressed back in um, back in Romans six and Romans seven in particular. What shall we do then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may, may increase? And Paul's answer obviously is no. You died to sin. Um, you you are not master uh, mastered by sin, and as well, <laughs> sin and those things are acts that lead to death. Why would you want to go back to that? But in Jude's day, as well as in our in our present day, there's this antinomian tendency. You hear that word anti, meaning against or opposed to, and nomian uh, from the Greek word nomos, meaning law. So there's this tendency um, in Jude's day, as well as in our present day, to throw out God's law and say, well, we don't need that anymore, or it doesn't apply to us, or what God says very clearly and specifically in his word, well, we've evolved past that and we don't need that. We don't need those constraints anymore because love is love and who are you to to put constraints on love? And what that really does, as they throw out God's law, they the antinomian tendency in whatever whatever form it takes, whatever time it shows up, it basically turns the gospel into a law. Love. <laughs> love is a law word. Um, but if you throw out God's law, the conscience is still there. Sin is still there. And you cannot dismiss it. You cannot say um, by throwing out God's law, it's not as though the world is suddenly um, perfect and sinless. Even though you might try to redefine what sin is, you cannot because the conscience still speaks. People will still feel guilty. People will still try to find a way to justify themselves or justify their actions actions, um, to compare themselves to one another and to elevate this idea of love, love above law, where it sets up this false dichotomy, this false opposition between love and truth. And if you remember first John, you know, it, it's very close cousin to Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a little bit broader of an umbrella, but antinomianism definitely falls under that umbrella of Gnosticism. Because in Gnosticism, you, you end up throwing out God's law in the purpose of, in the name of love. And so Jude really addresses that. He says, um, these uncertain individuals slipped in secretly, and it was written a long time ago that they are condemned. They turn the grace of our God into a license for sin, and they deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, and when he calls him our master and Lord, the, you know, the word master um, is usually usually the same word as Lord, but he uses a different word here. Um, when he says master and Lord, it's kind of the reminder that, yeah, Jesus has the right to say what is correct, what isn't correct, and what the just punishment would be for somebody who acts against him, um, that he still has the power, even though someone might try to take that power away by what they say and what they do. And so they, they turn this all upside down. Um, and just the, the, blazing, blistering accusation and and the way that Jude really addresses it. There's no there's no escape and there's no getting out of the fact that these people have turned the grace of our God upside down and it is destroying the con the congregation. Um 
That's really, you know, verses five and following. The example in verse six, um, he, he refers to the example of the angels who rebelled against God, who are kept in chains until judgment on the last day. Um, verse seven, he refers to Sodom and Gomorrah, who who turned their backs on God for the purposes of exercising whatever they wanted to do. And he says, verse eight, in the same way, these dreamers are defiling the flesh, despising authority and blaspheming glorious ones, which is even worse than, um, than the archangel Michael in verse nine. Um, one other thing about Jude here is that we have, we have some references to things that we don't have uh, listed for us in Holy Scripture other than here in the book of Jude. And that's totally permissible because Jude is an inspired book. And if the Holy Spirit gave him a special special insight to some of these things, and even if some of those special insights were kind of um, part of the Jewish literature of the time, that's totally permissible because it's, it's an inspired book. And so it um, gives us a little bit more insight into some of the things that had happened that we maybe didn't hear in the rest of scripture. And so Jude really relays and relates a lot of Old Testament history to say, you know, dear friends, watch out, watch out. These people, verse 12, are filthy stains on your love feast when they eat with you without fear, shepherding themselves, clouds without rain, autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. What he's saying is that they, they want to have this appearance of godliness, but they have denied every element of that godliness's power. They have asserted their own authority over and above the authority of God. So what should we do? Verse 17, remember the words that were spoken earlier by the apostles. And verse 18, you know, this is all in fulfillment of exactly what Jesus had said would happen. Verse 19, these are the people who cause divisions. That's a vitally important point because someone might say, well, Pastor Hagen, your church needs to change. Your church is causing divisions and, and by, by the things that you preach, by the things that you teach. No, the ones who cause divisions are those who go against the word of God and say that they have some other authority, which supersedes the word of God and which is surpassing the word of God. But as people who hold to the truth, the ones who cause divisions are the ones who contradict that truth. So what should we do? Um, verse 20 and following is, is one of my favorite sections in all of scripture. I know I say that a lot, but you dear friends, number one, continue to build yourselves up in your most holy faith as you keep praying in the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing as, you know, when you're flying on a plane and the, the stewardess um, says when the oxygen masks drop down, make sure to put your own on first before helping somebody else. And so that's what he says. Verse 20, build yourself up in your most holy faith first. Verse 21, keep yourselves in God's love as you continue to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which results in eternal life. And you see that he, he keys on the idea of keeping yourselves in God's love, that keeping yourselves in God's love means holding on to God's truth and building yourself up in God's word. Uh, verse 22, as we kind of work our way outward from here, show mercy to those who are wavering, you know, be, be cautious, be slow, um, be merciful, be encouraging to those who are kind of confused and need instruction. Um, to those who are wavering and about to fall, you need to encourage them and, and get to them quickly before they waver and fall away from Christ. But then there are others. Verse 23, save others 
others by snatching them out of the fire. This is even a little bit more forward where somebody is indulging in these sins or somebody is um, has been led further away from Christ. And as, you're, as a Christian, as a pastor, as an elder, as a fellow Christian, you reach out to them, even though you may have some personal revulsion to what they're doing or what they're saying. At the same time, Christian love compels us to reach out to them because they are in the fire. They have deserted the faith by what they say and what they do. And others show mercy to still others with fear, hating even the clothing that is stained by the flesh, that we are cautious and watch out that you don't fall into the same sort of sin. Um, this is, you know, this is a, a fairly regular occurrence across Christian, Christianity in our country over the last 15 or 20 years where a pastor or maybe a um, a therapist, uh, well, I'll start with pastors. A pastor takes a very bold and public stance on a particular sin, or a therapist specializes in counseling people with a particular sin. And then it comes out, you know, a year later or a few years later that that pastor engaged in the same sin. Because even though they're reaching out to somebody who was, who was caught in that sin, they needed to heed what Jude says here at the end of verse 23, show mercy to still others with fear that it's not good to play with fire. It's good to snatch people out of the fire, but be careful that you don't get burned. Hating even the clothing that is stained by the flesh is the idea of Old Testament cleanness and uncleanness, that we don't want to contaminate ourselves and get caught up in that sin. But we want to be always very cautious um, because the devil, we use every single temptation that he can to lead a person away from Christ. And even though something may may sound preposterous for a person to engage in, um, or it may sound you know personally re- revolting to them, um, or they would say, no, that would never happen to me. Um, you just hear the echo of Peter and the apostles, Lord, I will never deny you. The devil will use all that he can to lead a person away from Christ. And more often than not, he'll present it as something good. And the only way to stand firm is to be acquainted with the word of God, to build yourself up in your most holy faith, to keep yourself in God's love, to show mercy, and to be fearful, to be careful. And so what shall we learn about this? Uh, Two things as we go about our day. Uh, First and foremost, that love for souls and love for others goes above all else. That all that we do as an expression of love. Yes, it is a fulfillment of the law, but that is something that Christians do, that God has created you to be his own, to walk in the good works that he has created for you to do, that he has planned beforehand for you to do. And one of those good works is to um, to kind of work within the, sh- the, the fold, within the, uh, the flock as a fellow sheep and say, hey, Jesus is over here. Come back this way. Let's get back to the shepherd. Um, And so there's that reaching out in love, but also at the same time, the second thing, standing firm in the truth, that we aren't led astray by the lies of the devil and we aren't, don't get caught up even as we try to reach out to those who are caught in the fire. We have compassion. We are slow to anger. We are quick to listen. But we're also cautious because put your own oxygen mask on first because Jesus doesn't want to lose you as you speak and reach out to others. 
And so just take a moment to pray that Jesus would continue to keep you in his grace and truth, in his love, and then that he would give you the words and the opportunity to invite a friend or relative or a family member and say, hey, it's been a while since we've gathered together to listen to the voice of our shepherd. Why don't you come on over? Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, if you found benefit of this, make sure you subscribe and check us out on Facebook at the Raised with Jesus podcast. Just search Raised with Jesus in the search bar at the top. And if there is, if you have any other feedback or questions for me, um, all my contact information is in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. God bless your day.